Father, we thank you for your words which assure us of your truth and our hope, the gospel of our salvation. Lord, we're sinners and we would be in the hands of an angry God were it not for Jesus. And so we are so thankful for him. We thank you for his love. We thank you for his mercy, his peace and his justice. And we pray that he would come quickly so that his reign would never end. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Jeremy Lobdell. If you're just joining us, we are so glad you're here. Welcome to the worship and family of Midland Free. What we're doing in our church right now is we are walking through our mission and vision. We've launched or unveiled a new vision and mission for our church. We're looking forward to the future and what God will do. Obviously, there's been some things that have been different, but God's word remains and the future is good. And we trust that no matter what, God is good, God is in control, and Jesus wins. That's right. So no matter what, it's all good. But for our church in particular, for the people right here in Midland, Michigan, what does it look like to be a part of God's global purpose and his mandate for humanity? And what that looks like for us is this, is we as a church, we aspire to be a gospel-centered family where everyone we encounter moves closer to Jesus every day. We aspire to be a gospel-centered family where everyone we encounter moves closer to Jesus every day. So we've been working through that, and today is the last in that sermon series, and we're going to sort of recap it and just apply it and give some action steps at the end. So the way we'll move through today's sermon is we'll talk about the gospel, we'll talk about, ready, E3, E3, and that is enjoy, embrace, engage, and we will give you some action steps to follow up. But let me begin, as I so often like to, with a story first. And this is one that perhaps some of you children are familiar with. And if you're not a child, you might be familiar with this too. How many of you have ever played Thumb Wars? Do you know that game? All right. Well, I'm, I like, you know, I don't really like to play the game unless I know I can win, you know? So sometimes I play with my boys and I lose and it's not that great. But if I play with my daughter, it's really fun because no matter what, I can win. Like, I can get to the point where I can have such a strong grip that no matter what she does, she can't pull away. It makes me feel so amazing, but obviously it's really not that big of a deal. She's only seven, for those of you who don't know her. But it teaches me something about grip. And today I want to talk about two different grips. One is the grip of sin, and the other, the grip of God. The grip that sin had on us before Jesus, and then the grip of God's grace after. The way we'll do that, as I said, is we'll work through what is the gospel, what does it look like in our mission and vision, that is to enjoy, embrace, engage, or E3, and we'll do some action steps. So gospel, E3, and action steps are the structure for today. So let's talk about the gospel first. If you are from church, you've probably heard that term thrown around a lot, and you might just associate it with, you know, an evangelism sales pitch or, you know, the altar call at the end, or perhaps you think of it as, you know, 
I don't know, that churchy word we throw around, but we really don't know what it means. And so if you're from outside of the church, you may be hearing that term and thinking, hey, these religious people are a bit nuts and kind of weird, and if so, you might be slightly right. But this term actually has a lot of significance to it. Our church, our middle name is actually gospel. Whether you realize it or not, it's evangelical, and that's the Greek word for eungelion, which is the word gospel, good news. And even though it sounds like a big word to us, and most people mess it up when they say our name anyways, it's really something very simple. It's just good news. It is in that cultural context, what would happen is, say, for example, if you are an oppressed people group and you are conquered by an invading army, then you are enslaved and all your money goes to them and your wives and children. It's not a good situation. So you're crying out for deliverance from evil, from deliverance from slavery, from deliverance from captivity, and you're looking for a savior or deliverer to come in. And all of a sudden, at some point, when someone does, that's good news. And inevitably, what happens is, as these kingdoms rise and fall, and one leader is overthrown and another pops up, in comes the new administration, and the town crier goes throughout the streets proclaiming the good news that you are freed from your oppressors, you're freed from bondage, and the stronger power or authority has come in, and they have entered the hostile territory, they have confronted the enemy, they have beat him back, they took what was stolen and returned in triumph. That's gospel. That's gospel. That's good news. Well, in our context, now Jesus is taking that term and upping it exponentially. And so one of the first confrontations that you see in his ministry is, in fact, with the satanic realm, with the forces of darkness whom he came to destroy. And so in Mark chapter 3, here's the verses up on the screen. It's in the context of an exorcism where The demon has just been cast out, and Jesus is being accused of some really strange stuff. And this is how he answers his accusers. Mark chapter 3, verse 23 says, He called to them and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is coming to an end. But no one, here's the key verse, here's the big deal, here's the point. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then he may plunder his house. Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil. And what that means is this, you've You and I, we together, both have probably experienced this where you feel, I feel, like sin has this stranglehold or this death grip on your life. Like, I cannot break this. I cannot get out of it. It feels like it owns me. It destroys me. It drags me down. It discourages me every time it happens. But in our pre-Jesus time, there was no way to escape that. There was only the law. But now the strong man, Christ, has come, and he has come to destroy that grip. So the disciples, they assume, okay, what's going to happen is Jesus is here. He's going to set up his kingdom, you know, because the king comes, and then he casts out the bad guys, and he sets out his kingdom, and 
here we are, and it's perfect. But what they don't realize is Jesus' process is multifaced. I would have been just like the disciples. I would have been like, yes, Jesus is here. It's time. Make everything perfect forever and ever and do away with the bad. But God is patient. He's not slow, but he's patient, allowing lots of people to come to repentance. And so in setting up this kingdom, it's a multi-phase project. The first is an individual application, and the second is a global application. The first part of the gospel is an individual. The second is global. So let me... Walk us through the individual freeing of the death grip, and then we'll get to the global freeing as well. The first one, the individual in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to spend just a little bit of time in this text. So if you want to turn here, you're welcome. Otherwise, feel free to follow on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. The Apostle Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers of the gospel, that good news, that proclamation that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, this is the most important thing in your Christian life beyond anything else, what I also received, that Christ died For or on behalf of our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the first thing I want to point out here on the individual work of Christ, how this applies to me, is this incredible symmetry in the passage. Now, we did this in one sermon previously. Some of you may remember that. We did it through a game. Does anybody remember what game that was? Duck, duck, goose. Exactly right. I don't see Pastor Chuck here today. Pastor Chuck, I hope you're well. But Pastor Chuck and Georgia Pendleton and Eden Lobdell, they all came up here and they played a game of duck, duck, goose. And if I remember correctly, the way this game works is you go duck and nothing happens, right? We're on the right. Okay. Duck. Anything? No. And then goose. And everything starts in motion. And the game begins and they run. What you see in this passage with our salvation is the exact same thing. There is a duck, duck, goose. Or an A, A, B. A, the first thing, is a punctiliar event. It just happens. Boom. Done. The next A, same thing. A punctiliar event. Boom, done. But B, the last one, sets everything in motion. So, for example, it happens to Christ and it happens to us. And that's the beauty of this passage in 1 Corinthians 15 with death and resurrection and everything. It happens to Christ, it happens to us. Well, look what happens in verse 3. It says, Christ died. Punctiliar event. Boom, it happened one time. It's not happening over and over again, but one time it happened. Then the next thing, he was buried. Boom, punctiliar event duck duck but then the third thing he was raised goose now everything is in motion and moving jesus christ is forever and ever the resurrected lord it wasn't like he was resurrected and that was it but now we refer to him after the crucifixion forever and ever as our resurrected Lord. Everything is in motion because of that. And that's what happens in your Christian life too. Look, when Paul starts, he says, I preached. 
That's just like the death, a punctiliar event. Boom. He came and he shared the message. But then next, they received. Boom. Punctiliar event. A-A. Then, goose. B. In which you stand and are being saved. Here's this ongoing process that's continually happening to me and to you over and over again. Everything is set in motion because of those two punctiliar events and the final one, which is the process we're in right now, in which we stand. We stand here in the good news of our resurrected conquering king forever and ever. It never stops. It keeps going. Here we stand in the gospel of our salvation. Christ died, buried, raised. It was preached, received. Stand. A-A-B, duck, duck, goose. What happens is this. Sin had a death grip on us. We were its captives. We were stuck. We could not escape. We were like that seven-year-old little girl trying to get away from the grip of her dad. It's not going to happen. But then Jesus comes in, the strong man. He pries him loose. He binds Satan. And he frees us then to follow him. But he doesn't leave us on our own. Instead, instead of Satan holding on to us, Jesus grabs a hold of us. And that's so much better because he is so strong and so powerful that no one can rip us out of his hand and not even we ourselves are capable of doing that. This release from the death grip of sin's bondage is what frees us to live out or fulfill our calling. And this is what the writers of the catechism say is our chief end, or we ask it another way. What is the chief end? What is the purpose? What is the reason for humanity? Why are we here? Man's chief end and highest end is to glorify God and fully enjoy him forever. Here's the gospel, the good news of our salvation. If you have never placed your faith or believed in Jesus for the first time, we want to invite you to do so today. When you believe in Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection, and you give him your sin, he trades that, he exchanges it for his righteousness, and his blood pays your debt, and then you've been set free to live for the reason that God made you. If you've never done that, we invite you to do so today for the very first time. You don't have to wait till after the service. You don't have to do anything fancy. You just transfer from darkness to light, from death to life, believing in Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. You please do that today if you've never done that. For those of us who have, we have been freed to enjoy God Now, again, as Americans, we think of this term enjoy as something very simple. We think of physical pleasures or things we enjoy like golfing or going to the movies or shopping or knitting, crocheting, basketball, football, whatever. But this term is so much more rich and so much deeper than that. It's not necessarily physical or tangible pleasures, but it is instead for something that we treasure. Some people have said to me in certain sermons, like Pastor Jeremy, I see that you're moved by that. What's the big deal? Like, show me, how, how did you get there? And it's, it's not really something that I can explain, but I can tell you this. 
When you love something, when you value it, you've probably experienced this before, that at certain times, certain things evoke these very strong feelings within you, and it rises up, and you can't contain it or hold it back, whether it's a shivers or tingles or tears or whatever. That is to treasure something, to value it, to delight in it, to, as Piper says, esteem it the surpassing value of the entire universe. There is no word we can conjure up which is good enough to say that we must love God more than all else. And so we use the word enjoy to treasure, to delight. So we enjoy God. We enjoy God and we embrace his word. That's E2. We embrace God's word. If you don't know how to enjoy God, the first step for you is to get into his word. He has written to you specific words. They're not just black and white ink on the page, but they're God-breathed, spirit-inspired, supernatural power. And when you take these words in and the Holy Spirit grabs them, he infuses them into your life and it changes you. It's so important that you are embracing God's word. That's why we use the word embrace. I know it's a little bit weird. Embrace the Bible. What we mean is own it, like appropriate it for yourself. Take it in. Don't just read it and leave it there, but live it out. Embrace God's word. And third, third E, this leads us to the point of where we begin to move from individual to global. We begin to move from our own experience to sharing that experience with others. We are looking to engage the world. At this point, now that we have experienced it for ourselves, we become the criers. We become the Paul Revere's. We become the heralds of the good news to proclaim the king has come and won and broke the grip of sin in our lives. Therefore, the third E is to engage the world. That leads us to our mission, which is this. Here's our mission at Midland Free. We enjoy and glorify God. We embrace his word and engage the world. Led by the spirit, everyone here, this is how we will do it. Welcomes, plugs in, and reaches out. Welcomes, plugs in, and reaches out. How many of you did a puzzle over this last holiday weekend. Anybody work on a puzzle? I know a few, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. Thanks for that. I see that hand. Amen. We, we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, and here's the thing. Okay, so the devil had us in his grip. Jesus broke us free. Now we're free, and we're free to do what's right, but how? We need help. The way God made us is such that we can't do it ourselves. But when we come together as a body, then the pieces begin to fit. There are all kinds of pieces. There are pieces that everyone sees, and there are pieces that not no one knows about. And what the Bible says is those unseen pieces are just as valuable as the most beautiful upfront whatevers. The reality is, as a puzzle, as the body of Christ, we have to come together. And therefore, the way we talk about it here at Midland Free is we sort of take it from the front door to the way out. And we say, we welcome, we plug in, and we reach out. Remember, welcome is not just like, hi, glad you're here. But welcome is like, 
I, I'm open, I'm transparent, I'm vulnerable. I accept your feedback and input into my life. I welcome your accountability. I welcome this difficult process of iron sharpening iron, rubbing each other wrong and reconciling and coming back together again. I welcome that. That's hard. But we welcome one another because we know we're all a piece of the puzzle. And then we plug in because we each have different gifts. And then we reach out because that is what God has called us to do. God himself has arranged this puzzle. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 18. It says, God has arranged the pieces or the members of the body, each one as he chose. Therefore, plug in. Reach out. As we get ready to close, here's a few action steps to help you do so this morning. I want to give some very practical and tangible ways that you can do that in Midland Free. I know we're in the middle of an unusual time, but there are still ways. Let me give you one example. And this is a hand-raising opportunity, and I think they're going to decrease as we go. But first of all, just for kicks, just for fun, it's no big deal. How many of you know that we have a newsletter? All right, how many hands? All right. How many of you receive the newsletter? Okay, a few less. Now here comes the real one. How many of you read the newsletter? That's pretty good. Good, thank you. I know some shut-ins and boy, they're not able to come to church, but they love the newsletter. Like they wait on that. They receive it and they go through everything because that's their connection with the body. It's difficult to communicate and to be frank, I've kind of lost my faith in Facebook and I don't really want to point you there anymore. But we will email you a newsletter and I know more email. Oh, don't want that. But here's the thing. Set up a filter, send it to a box, and when you're ready, find the right time and read it. And even if you don't want to read it, scroll through the pictures and they'll point you where you need to know, where you need to go or what you need to know. And this is an opportunity for you to stay connected with our church. If you go to our homepage, sign up for the newsletter, let it come to you, and you will be a little bit more connected. If you want to engage or embrace God's word, we have an opportunity for you to do that. Um, Chris and Debbie Shirk this fall, or sorry, this fall, this winter, January 6th, are going to be leading a three-part course that will help you grow closer to Jesus, giving you practical helps for embracing God's word in your life. Uh, That's in the newsletter, and you can also find that online. If you don't want to do that and you want to take a little even smaller step, we would welcome you to spend two hours with us on Sunday morning. This worship service is one hour, but if you can carve out one more, we have small churches at 9 o'clock, and that is a great opportunity for you to build community and be a part of something. They are a group that I know to be very welcoming, loving, and accepting. They get into God's Word. They encourage and pray for one another. It's a great way to be a part of the family at Midland Free. Maybe you're looking to do something because you're an active person. We have lots of opportunities for that. Basically, if you see any of our pastors or directors, they can help you. But let me be a little bit more specific. If you have an interest in adult ministries, care, connections, life groups, greeters, or any place where you see people crossing paths, you need to speak with Pastor Gib Giblin, our care and connections pastor, and he will help you do that. Being a greeter right now is really simple. You don't even have to shake hands with people. Just stand there. It's easy. 
Same thing with ushers. It's been a little bit hard to find ushers lately. We're not passing things, but we do want to be welcoming. And so if you have an interest in that, that would actually be worship arts. And you can email worshiparts at mefchurch.org. We're not going to bombard you with junk, but there are lots and lots of opportunities. Has anyone noticed how quick and timely these little slides right at, or lower thirds, right at the bottom of the screen have popped up today in just the right spot? Do you know who's doing that? A teenager backstage who you've never met before, but his name is Gavin, and he is doing great. Thank you, Gavin, for being part of our worship arts and tech team. I appreciate it. If you are a teenager, mom and dad have said not so much time on the computer or screens, have I got an opportunity for you. Oh, man, there's so much fun stuff. If you want to be involved in youth ministry or you just like making a mess, please see Pastor Chuck. Um, if you're involved or interested in caring for children, even down to little babies, please see Christy Smith. Um, we have Go Local. Our local ministry has been doing a lot with a lot of good organizations, great organizations around town, and also Go Global. You'll hear some more about that in just a minute from Tammy Stevens, their director. But there are so many opportunities for you to be involved. And I know that we're all at different points in life. So maybe you're a traveling salesperson or something like that. You're not here during the week. That's not an opportunity. Okay, I get it. But get the newsletter, read it on the plane, and contribute. How can you contribute? This is going to sound crass, but it's the truth. You can just give. It's good to give money to the church. Why? Because we're the church? No, but because the Bible in Romans 15, 28 and Philippians 4, 17 specifically spells it out and says that giving is a fruit of the Spirit. Giving is fruit. Giving is evidence of the Lord's work in your life. Why? Because I know, not because I know the giving records, but I know the pressures of life And I know the realities of our world and the demands that are put on us. And to be able to actually give, that is unnatural. That is not normal. Normal is to keep, hoard, protect, enjoy, prepare. But to freely, open-handedly give to someone else with no strings attached, that's different. That's a fruit. And that takes faith. That's real. And so for your own spiritual health, for your benefit, not ours, a good thing to do is to give. Look, my wife is not doing this right now, so uh, don't ask. <laughs> she used to teach piano lessons. And um, one of the things we recognize is obviously different people come from different scenarios. So one family may be able to pay full price, another can't. Granted. But one of the studio policies that she had is that no matter who you are, you pay something. Why? Because when you do, you show up. And when you do, you practice. People don't tend to miss a lesson they've paid for. But when they pay for it, they're part of it. They own it. They have skin in the game. And that's what we're saying. You know, if you just come and leave part of the church and you don't have anything in there, eh. But man, the people who are given... They show up at the business meeting. They want to know where the money goes and how it works and what we're voting on and this and that. Once you start giving, man, you got skin in the game. It's a good thing to do and it frees you to follow God in faith. Give, give. Life groups, other opportunities, even if, say, none of these has fit you yet, I would encourage you just to pick up a book 
one that's called um, The Gospel-Centered Church by Jared Wilson. Shoot, read anything by Jared Wilson. But this is a really good one, and it gives you some idea of what I believe God is calling the church back to, this new awakening and gospel-centeredness. This is a good thing, and what we want to do at Midland Free, because 1 Corinthians says this is of first importance. It's not second or third. It's not activities or outreach. It's gospel-centered, man. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the life-changing, world-saving, unique thing that only the church of Jesus Christ has. Other people do good things, but only the gospel has Jesus. And we treasure and love and enjoy him more than anything else. That's why we at Midland Free, we aspire to be a gospel-centered family where everyone we encounter moves closer to Jesus every day. We enjoy and glorify God and we embrace his word and we engage the world so that led by the Spirit, not in our own strength, but led by the Spirit, all of us will welcome, plug in, and reach out. Today, if you go home, I don't know if you'll play thumb wars or grip games or anything like that. I have a good time with my grip on my little girl, but the reality is it doesn't mean anything compared to God's grip on us. Jesus has freed us from the grip of the enemy, and now he holds us in his hands. If we hold together, we can accomplish his mission and see the decisive display of God's ruling power unveiled throughout the world. Father, we thank you and praise you for today. We thank you for the mission that you have called us to. We pray, Lord, that we'd be faithful to carry it out. God, not in our own strength. We can't. It's not even possible. But because of Jesus and with the encouragement and strength of our brothers and sisters in Christ, building one another up, loving each other, and declaring your good news to a lost and dying world. We pray that you would help us to be faithful to do our task. In Jesus' name, amen.